Thanks for listening to the Pro Video Podcast. Weekly insights into everything video. Proudly presented by worldpodcast.com. Here's the host, Blair Walker. Hi everybody and welcome to the Pro Video Podcast. Every week we look into different areas of film, television, online video and so much more. Whether it's the tools, the creations, but it's always the people. This week we're going to be looking at mocha. We're going to be looking at compositing. We're going to be talking about borrows. We're going to be talking about communities. This week, I'm really, really stoked to say thank you so much, Martin Bernard, for coming on the show. Thank you very much. No worries. Good to be here. And I've already mispronounced your name. <laughs> it's a common, <laughs> it's a common mistake. It's fine. It's Brennan. Yes, Brennan. I'm so sorry. It's um, no. I've rushed, rushed here and um, getting myself in a little frizzy already. <laughs> So, do you want to take a couple of minutes, mate, and just introduce yourself and explain how you fit into the industry? Yeah, sure. So, um, I'm currently the product manager for Mocha, which is originally by Imagineer Systems, and we've recently gone into the Boris FX family, which is comprises of Imagineers, Mocha, uh, Sapphire from GenArts, and obviously all the Boris tools. So, my role in general is not just to look after the general running of how we build the Mocha product and make it sort of work and interface with artists, but I also do a lot of the working with artists um, on forums. I go to studios. I travel a lot to go and see everybody around. And I do a lot of this kind of stuff too, where I just talk to people overseas just over general contact to get them through any little bits of the program that they're not quite getting or just you know your general support stuff but um so it's a bit of a mix of specialized uh visual effects and compositing work combined with your lovely day-to-day product management awesome and for those listeners that haven't heard of mocha it is a planar tracking software um, did you want to sort of elaborate upon what Mocha is for the audience? Yeah, sure. So um, now this is going to be an interesting one because uh, uh, you're, you're doing the same thing that I did when I started uh, with Imagineer. Um, it's actually pronounced Mocha, and there's a reason for this. Um, and to my Australian sensibilities, it's really grating. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the reason it's called Mocha is because the entirety of Imagineer software is based off Mo as in motion. Um, so there's a bit of history there which I can go into. But Mocha itself is uh, specifically a planar tracker that doesn't rely on features in a piece of footage. It tracks the texture going through the scene. So it means that it's a lot more accurate. It can track through motion blur and all these other things. And it's not as sort of flaky as a shape tracker, which is doing a similar thing, but not grabbing all of that nice perspective data as well. So it's been bundled in Adobe After Effects for a number of years now as a light version. And so many users will be aware of that one. Uh, But not many people are aware of the pro sides. We have a Mocha Pro that does a lot of tracking that takes that tracking data and then uses it for many useful professional visual effects tasks, like the most famous one being the remove module, which removes objects from shots without you having to do any manual paintwork. So there's a lot of sort of depth in the Mocha Pro product that has a legacy going back as far as the early 2000s. Yeah, I first came across it in 2007. So that's yeah. 10 years ago now. Um, that was through FX PhD, and <laughs> I did the um, Imagineer 101 class in 2007, way back. And that's when it was Monet, Moki, Moka, and Motor. <laughs> so there was quite a few other um, apps in the package, and now it, over time it's become mocha that's right and the funny story is actually that's exactly how i got my start as well um so i was taught by tal naran in the fx phd course um i've since taught tal naran (laughs) myself um uh fantastic guy amazing teacher uh so he was a double negative at the time and now i believe he may still be at weta but um 
yeah, it's just a, a full circle thing. So he taught me all the ins and outs of Mocha, Moki, and Monet. Uh, and then I used that for a number of years and then joined the Imagineer team in 2009. So, yeah, it was, it was just sort of interesting to see, like, how many roots come from the uh, the FX Guide and FX PhD uh, yeah. roots uh, around here. Yeah, it's um intertwined um, web of connected um, experiences, like, I always say in New Zealand, it's not two degrees of separation, it's one degree of separation. <laughs> and it's the same, I think, in our industry as well. It's not not hard to link the um, dots together in our industry. Oh, absolutely. And there's a lot of serendipity that goes on. You you find opportunities and a lot of different sort of links uh, not by not jumping that far. It's it's yeah. It's quite amazing how homogenous it all is. Yeah, very, very much so. So um, I really want to explore the latest release of um, Mocha. And every time I'm going to say it on this episode, I'm going to think, am I saying it right now? (laughs) (laughs) And look, I'd say like everybody in Australia and New Zealand says Mocha. And and in India, they say Mocha. Oh, really? So, so like, everyone knows what we're talking about, so I wouldn't yeah. worry about it too much. Um, in fact, I have to now, when I go to a cafe, make sure I re-correct myself so baristas don't look at me strangely. <laughs> um, so, Mocha Pro 5, um, some really, really key um, updates in that, with, um, especially with the plug-in options for all the various platforms that it works in. Um, yeah, an accelerated GPU, like that's that's really big one for me because we've moved to PCs in recent years and mm. that GPU is the reason for it. So anything taking advantage of that power is is a benefit. So um and as you were saying before, like the um remove module and also the insert module, those advanced effects, they're available direct within the native applications and using their own internal engines, isn't it? Yeah, so um, in each sort of, for the plug-in version, it's essentially inserting an entire Mocha application inside the effect now. The difference is, is that you can now directly read it from the source. So you can apply it to an After Effects layer or a Premiere layer or a Nuke node and it just reads everything in. And then you can get stuff back out of it without having to render it to file. Because yeah. previously, like, it was just that standalone application, so you'd have to render it out to TIFF or DPX and then put that back into your pipeline. But yeah. now it's all lovely and contained in the one thing. And, yeah, the GPU acceleration has definitely been a plus uh, because over the past few years we've seen this massive acceleration of 4K, 6K, 8K, and even just recently in the conference I saw 16K, which was <laughs> frightening. Um, so it's like the data is just getting larger and larger and larger, yeah. so we need to match it with the, the speed of the hardware now. Yeah, yeah, it's quite crazy. I was talking to somebody about some projects, you know, we're always looking at our infrastructure and the IT guys um really supportive of our needs and stuff and they're like, Well, you you guys are making H D outputs and I'm like, Yeah, yeah, we're we're totally just doing H D outputs, we're not doing four K and he's like, Oh, so you know, the demands aren't really there I'm like, Yeah, but everything's actually being shot at least four K, if not six K yeah. and we're getting quite a few more projects and those 6K projects are raw as well. And it's just exponential, the data data rates there. So the GPU acceleration yeah. is massive. And this is um, one of the big uh, issues we have with, um, because we just recently in 5.5 introduced VR support. So Mocha VR um, handles all of the standard Mocha things, but in 360 mm-hmm. as well. So you can remove objects in 360 and so on and so forth. However... When you're dealing with things like Stereo 360, and that's coming out very shortly in um, version 5.6, is that you're dealing with now, say, a 6400 by 6400 image of two separate eyes and feeding that all into one program and then having to split it up and recompile it. And, and so, uh, yeah, this it, it's VR in itself is, is causing... A massive disruption at the moment because of the amount of data that has to be played back in real time. Yeah, yeah, it's um, daunting, but it's the world that we're <laughs> working in right now. That's right. So, um, 
the number of applications that um, Mocha supports and goes in, out to has really increased over the years. I remember when it was, um, you know, back in the day, we were looking at Shake. <laughs> so th- that was a long time ago now. But um, yeah, what are like what are all the different applications that you can um, use Mocha with in your workflows? So surprisingly enough, we actually still do support Shake. Oh, really? Um, because there are still people out there using it um, wow. in a heavily modified fashion. But yeah, it's it's still ticking on. Um, so we keep that maintained. Uh, we even have the old combustion, uh, Autodesk combustion support still in there. Crazy. But um, at the moment now, yeah, it's really, really expand and there's more coming. Uh, but at the moment, it's uh, so the plugins themselves they work with it, one plugin just works with After Effects and Premiere. So one plugin does the whole lot. You don't need two separate ones. Um, we've got Avid. We've got uh, OFX plugin which works through a huge range of different ones. So you know Fusion, Nuke, Vegas. Um, uh, not Resolve yet, but hopefully soon. Um, but then uh, we've also got the mocha that is built into the other products so we've got sapphire and bcc with boris effects but both of those plugin sets now have mocha built into all their effects so this means now you can have mocha inside a sparks plugin in flame or you can have it um soon to be in final cut as well so like there's a whole range of ways we can get mocha into everything and um at the moment, to the export. So uh, if anyone's used the Mocha for After Effects, for example, it only exports data out to After Effects. But if you go into any of the plugins or the standalone version, you can export out to a huge range. So everything from, you know, Silhouette through to, you know, Apple Motion. Um, there's a huge list I could go through. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's And generally we try and support things that... Um, uh, people need so there's we cover most gamuts like we're, there's some fringe areas that we're still looking at and working with like vendors so like you know uh, at some point you know we would like to support sort of the the larger ones like the the base lights and the grass valleys and right. stuff like that bigger editing sweet stuff but like there's an ecosystem you have to get in there yeah um so but anything that's got to do with simple copying and pasting data so it's very very easy especially across the motion graphics and visual effects industry we have most of it covered yeah and um i I think you've had it covered for quite some time it's Mm -hmm. it's it's really established itself as the the go-to resource for getting solid tracks um you know the the fact that uh the objects that you're tracking can go off screen and you can still easily lock onto them and you know it, it just feels like black magic sometimes <laughs> not not to throw in another brand name <laughs> <laughs> yes it's uh it's funny yeah and it's um and we quite often find that, and this is why we, you know, myself and uh, Mary Poplin con- continually put out uh, more tutorials, is, is that uh, we occasionally get questions on the forum and support where they say um, this particular part isn't working. And it makes us realise that sometimes they haven't delved too far into the manual because there's so many hidden parts of Mocha that. Um, a technique or a, a way of doing things yeah. that gets you through yet another hurdle. Like, for example, unlinked tracking, where you can switch the shape you've drawn uh, from the track and just keep the shape in one spot on the screen and everything just tracks underneath it like a conveyor belt. Yeah. So And the, the update track. So there's, there's so many different ways to use this versatile um, engine inside the tracking data. Yeah. Totally, totally agree, and that was some of the education that I got early in my career is the approach and the steps that you do it. So sometimes um, you just want to dive in there and track it, but that can get you into a little bit of a messed up result, where if you're actually removing some objects that are going to cause issues with the track by, by tracking them really quickly and removing them from the solve, you know, th- that's a really basic um, workflow thing with um, planner tracking, but the approach and the techniques are just as important sometimes as what the tools because you need to give the tools the best opportunity to pull it off too. Yeah, and even just the concept of um, occluding things. I mean, there's many trackers out there that track quite well, but they don't handle um, how to 
block out things that move across your track yeah. very well. And uh, this is probably the thing that makes Mocha stand out the most is this way of tracking multiple objects at the same time. So when they do pass over each other, they don't interact with each other. Yeah. Um, I mean, Mocha's pretty good at ignoring some of this stuff anyway uh, because it, it can see something coming into a tracking shape and say, yeah, this isn't really part of what I was tracking and we'll yeah. just ignore it. But obviously if you've got a, you know, a massive head going past a screen or something, then you can easily mask that out or offset the track around using manual tracking to get around that little point. So the flexibility is what I still really, really love about it. Like, I still get quite passionate about seeing something that Mocha can do uh, that I previously thought was impossible. Yeah, um, totally. I'm just thinking, where would you recommend um, everybody um, go for learning material to educate themselves on it? I know that um, Boris's website for Mocha has a number of um, links, but are there some training places that you would direct them to go to as well? Very specifically on the Boris FX website, there's um, a series uh, of training resources by Curious Turtle by Ben Brownlee. Um, now, all of the tutorials are free. It's called the Mocha Fundamentals and the Mocha Getting Started Guide. Um, but they are a series of free ones that take you through the very, very basics. And what you can do also is if you want to pay for anything, you also get all the material as well. So oh, if yeah. you want all the footage that comes along with it. Um, and it's quite reasonably priced. But like if you just want to get the, an idea of how to use stuff, you can watch the whole course cool. for free online. And we still do courses on FX PhD as well. In fact, um, Nick Lambert has just finished one on Mocha VR on oh, FX PhD. That's awesome. Uh, um, um, and what about and, uh, communities? You're talking about so, your involvement before. Where, where are they? So they're pretty much all over. We've got our own forums, but we we tend to find we get the most interaction from uh, things like the Adobe forums. Um, there's uh, also a lot of sort of Slack forums out there, like the Nodefest forum yeah. is quite um, good for that. Um, if people aren't aware of Nodefest, but um, they've got their own Slack channel, which has got a nice community, at least locally, for um, this area. Yeah, and if you want to hear more about NodeFest, uh, look back in the back catalogue of uh, the Pro Video podcast because we've got a number of um, episodes dedicated to that. And um, we'll have links on this show for everything that we're talking about today and we'll include the Node Slack group that you can join as well as the Pro Video podcast Slack group. So join those and... The great thing about Slack and these communities is everyone's just hanging out. So you fire off a exactly. question. It's really casual and unpretentious and really great knowledge because you're hanging out there. That's how I connected with you. Yeah. And this is the thing is that like all of um, Boris FX's you know, ecosystem is based on Slack as well. So it's easy for us to bounce back and forth between you know, work stuff and community stuff. Awesome. Um, we also have a quite a prolific... Um, uh, Facebook page, so like people often answer a lot of questions in there, and we post all our new tutorials up there. Um, so that's just uh, Mocha Boris Effects um, on Facebook. Cool. Um, but then, like, if you just wanted to like get a whole like download of tutorials and effects, like that, just go to our Vimeo or our YouTube pages because we're constantly putting up new content up there. Um, so um, I'm, I'm sure, assuming you'll have links in the show notes, but yeah, they're. Um, uh, so it's like vimeo.com slash mocha pro is where all the high quality ones go. And then we do some, we port those over to YouTube as well. Cool. Um, but also in the community, like, yeah, so there's still quite a lot that we do across, um, the, uh, the after effects lists, like the ma old mailing lists. Oh, really? Um, yeah, we do, um, uh, still all the creative cow. We've got lots of people in there and it's nice now, like, especially with ones with creative cow is, is that, um, often we don't actually have to jump in. There's a lot of experts out there now that, um, we'll just go straight in and, uh, and handle it, uh, without us having to. So it's, it's, yeah, there's a lot of people starting to get out there that, uh, know the product really well and are quite happy to help. And that, that's what I really like to see is, is this community building up of, of great, um, uh, testers and users out there yeah the community support i think that's something that's so different now than when um i was coming through just didn't have that um connection you know for me the 
closest thing I had was FX PhD and the forums there and Creative Cow has been around for a long time. But now there's just yeah. so many different places that these communities are operating from. And yeah, and I'd say the final one that's probably the most useful for everyone at the moment is um, there's a new Facebook group called the Mocha Pro and Mocha VR Users Group. Um, and that's very, very dedicated to people um, asking quite specific uh, questions. And, and both myself and Mary Poplin are on there a lot. Awesome. So is uh, Ross Shane, um, our CMO. So we get a lot of uh, feedback from that as well. Cool, cool. Uh, that sounds really good. I'm going to join that group and um, <laughs> do a little bit of a promotion when this episode comes out on that group as well. So, Fantastic. Um, yeah, and I'd love uh, you to join the groups, that um, the Slack group that we have and, and the Facebook group we have for the podcast and feel free Absolutely, to yeah. post, post away as much as you'd like to. <laughs> it's, um, I really feel like this community is coming together. So the more we share um, and encourage others to get out there and you know, get in touch with us. So I'm talking specifically to you guys and girls. Please jump in these groups, shout out, say what you're up to, you know, don't be scared. Everyone's really supportive. That's what I love about this. And that's what I felt when I went to NodeFest this year. Everyone's just so supportive and passionate. Yeah, and I wish I could have gone too. So we sponsored NodeFest this year with uh, prizes uh, and for various competitions. Um, but unfortunately, uh, uh, Interbee in Tokyo is on at the same time, which is another big broadcast festival. So I was over there um, teaching some studios how to do some things. But um, the uh, we're, we're possibly going to hopefully move NodeFest a little bit so that I can I can get back uh, in time from Japan to uh, to see that show as well next year. Because uh, it's it's such a, a great show. Yeah, oh, it, was, it was just amazing. Like every every presenter was top shelf and awesome, and everybody attending so friendly, so cool. Well, yeah, and I know um, uh, John Dickinson who was there this year. And, uh, I know Doc Dickinson quite well because um, he's obviously a big Sapphire guy, um, and he's just get, been yeah. getting into Mocha recently as well. But super talented guy. Yeah, uh, he's also been on the show in previous episodes as well. So shout out to John. And he's also on the Slack group too. That's right, yeah. I, I just listened to that podcast the other day. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh good stuff, good stuff. Um, so the big news for Mocha is the move to Boris. And mm -hmm. um, a massive, massive transition as a company going into a new culture and and yeah, how's that? How's that whole thing been? It's it's such a massive. Um, you know, I'd like to discuss the other packages that Boris has because it's amazing content within that. But how's how's that whole transition felt from the inside? Is it all? You're everybody settled now. It's all good to go. Yeah, it's been remarkably easy actually. The um, as the sort of the little sort of ecosystems of Imagineer and Gen Arts and Boris have been like um, we're basically pretty much left to our own devices to keep working as we're working but yep. we're just you know it, the great thing about it is is that we're collaborating on the technology now like the plugins came out of this collaboration for example so like we got all of the experience of the BCC team right to build these plugins uh, for Mocha and then we also got to integrate Mocha into their plugins so it was just a great amalgamation of talent that meant that uh the transition felt pretty good to be honest so like i mean every sort of you know merging has its ups and downs yeah. and hiccups and things like that but from a technology and a support point of view it's been fantastic yeah that makes um, so much sense um having that knowledge of the team with the plugins you know they've been doing it for so long to you know, if if um, Imagineer by themselves was trying to do it, you'd have to get in a lot of knowledge to get that many years of experience in. Yeah, and this is the thing is it, and it's it's funny, like because you know I've worked with the standalone version for so many years now, and um, I really want to leave the plugin version now. But um, uh, the only thing is that the standalone one has my my personal favorite thing, which is the Python environment, yeah. uh, which we want to eventually get into the plugin as well. But the Python environment just lets you customize like crazy. So, um, but um, but yeah, on the the integration side, I mean, and then we got GenArts just recently as well with Sapphire, 
And um, that has been a, another interesting step forward because it's a, another, again, an ecosystem that, um, in fact, one of the team members, Gary, like, you know, basically was the founding, one of the founding members of the OFX format. Right. Um, so, again, ex- really good expert level advice and uh, collaboration on how to build plugins efficiently. Yeah. Um, and so that's been, and then, yeah, just recently with Sapphire 11, we've now got Mocha inside Sapphire as well. So it means for the first time that Mocha is integrated as uh, a Flame plugin, which is, uh, again, it's a live version that's just doing tracking and masking for the effects, but like it's in there and previously Flame users didn't have access to that. So it's amazing. No, it's awesome to hear the development that um, these mergers have brought and um, looking forward to the future of where it can go from here, you know. I'm just really excited for all of the different products and um, what they bring into it in the future. Yeah, and there's there's, there's lots of things I wish I could talk about. <laughs> but there's, uh, yeah, we've got some exciting stuff stuff coming. Um, I won't tell. You can... <laughs> <laughs> Just share it with the thousands of followers, yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it, there's, yeah, sorts of, uh, and that is one of the things that I do get quite excited about all the things that are that are coming up. Um, then you've got to sort of just, like, put an NDA on yourself so that you don't... Uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, fair enough, fair enough. But something that we can talk about is um, Mocha VR. And, yeah. Um, yeah, like... Skybox integration and Dashwood 360 integration is really interesting to me because um, using those tool sets with Mocha, um, yeah, so easy to remove um, the nodal base of what is holding up the camera. And, and it, again, it just feels like magic when you see it with the Mocha plugin and you're using the replace <laughs> and suddenly, boom, it, it's almost yeah. like it's just way too easy. Yeah, and this the, the the only thing that sort of uh, sort of is a detractor really is is that like just again that we were talking about it before is just like the size of the data. So your yeah, renders yeah. are going to be long, but it's just saving you so much time you'd otherwise be just sitting there painting or yeah. like trying to stretch something out or things like that. And we've had a good collaboration with the metal team for a long time as well. In fact, we've got quite a few tutorials online about how to to work with those plugins oh chris and Nancy um, are awesome aren't they yeah it's it's quite an interesting interesting mix so uh yeah it's and you know there's the thing that i like about mocha vr specifically is that you can stay within the entire 360 environment you're not just viewing the environment you're actually working in the yeah. 360 environment so you can keep on panning around and like roto something else and then uh, look around and move the headset view around just to make sure that the rotor is looking right in that yeah. view and then it automatically is already stretching out like there's no conversion process it's just automatically working in the lat long equirectangular rectangular view um, how much, so yeah how much um, content and work are you seeing being produced in um, 360 VR I'm kind of seeing um, commercial advertising that there was quite an initial um, hype around it, but I'm not seeing mm-hmm. a huge amount of content being produced, honestly, from my area, but it's only a small slice of the pie, really. Yeah, the the biggest sort of area is in um, sort of experience sort of uh, broadcasting. So there's a lot of people that do, um, especially in the, the event space and the travel space and... Um, sort of more tourism spaces there's a lot going on there at the moment from a narrative perspective it's starting to pick up uh we're starting to see more stuff from you know like the mill and things like that where they're actually like trying to tell a story in that 360 space yeah but what we're also starting to see is um this rise of 180 vr Mm. um especially because youtube's gonna start supporting that format pretty well uh because most people have started to realize that users don't want to look behind them yeah, yeah. <laughs> they just want to be able to look around a world that's completely covering their peripheral vision um and you know most people don't have the room to walk around in a big empty hall or with a you know motion detectors everywhere they want to be had a bit of a sitting or standing experience and that predominantly means only having to be able to look in a 180 sphere so so that's an area that's a really uh, becoming prevalent and I think YouTube is where 
this is really going to be the biggest space. Like anything in the social media space for Facebook or YouTube is the predominant thing. I don't think we're going to see a huge rise in, you know, theatre spaces with VR headsets or anything like that. But for those home users that, or even just people, you know, whacking on a Samsung VR or a, a Daydream headset or things like that, like that's a much cheaper way to do it. Yeah, yeah, it's. Um, I'm really interested to see because it is such an early um, stage in this process, yeah. and um, yeah, it, and the thing too is it's a wild west at yeah. the moment too. That there, the there's no sort of standard really. There's the formats range wildly from HD through to, as I said before, like 6K um in all sorts of different aspect ratios and frame rates and you know there's starting to be some accepted standards of how to shoot um and the hardware is very varied um everything from you know your your four axis gopros through to like much larger 20 camera rigs yeah so yeah it's it's just fascinating to see how it develops over time and we're we're, you know we're trying to match that in in the post-production side awesome awesome now, I just want to, before we sort of talk about you a little bit more, I want to just wrap up with um, Mocha and mm-hmm. a really, really impressive list of the projects that it's been involved with and used heavily on. I'm thinking of like uh, Rogue One and the Harry Potter series and the walk. my favourite, <laughs> The Walking Dead, one of the best shows yeah. ever, and Game of Thrones. It's like, it must, as a, as a, as a team, you must feel really proud to see your tool being utilised across all of these productions. Yeah, it's it's quite exciting from the point of view that because um, I've got sort of a background in you know visual effects and motion graphics originally, and I almost prefer this kind of job where I get to almost sit on the sidelines but be involved with. Um, all these amazing artists using our tools and finding all unique ways of using the tools. Um, Because all my favourite effects, like, of all time is uh, effects that you don't see. Yeah. So, and going into a film and seeing, knowing exactly how a shot was done, but you can't see it, (laughs) that, like, that that just thrills me to no end, saying, like, like, you you don't see the, the set stands, you don't see the green screens, you don't see the tattoos that have been removed from actors' bodies, all this kind of stuff, like, and you know it's there somewhere, but they've done such a good job of just hiding it with our tools that, yeah, it just gives you, it gives you a thrill every time. So, like, it's it's never stopped being exciting for me. Uh, That's that's really, really awesome to hear because I think that, um, you know, it's such an engaging industry, you know, and I'm finding as I'm, getting into my second decade, <coughs> third decade, <laughs> you know, to still just be so passionate about the work doing and the developments within it, you know, I, I feel I feel really uh, honoured to be part of this whole industry. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's funny sometimes because it, you kind of have this love-hate relationship with the industry where we build a rod for our own back sometimes yeah. with, you know, we, there's always a new way to develop a visual effects experience. But like VR is, again, a beautiful example of um, let's create this immersive environment so that people can experience something amazing. But then, oh, we've got to remove the entire crew. We've got to remove the rig. We've got to clean up these shots and stitch them together well. And so, so it's a whole new technical challenge that we've made for ourselves, but yeah. it doesn't stop people from doing it, which, is, which I really love. Like, they want to try things, and then everyone just has to build the tools around it, which is great for us because we, we love building the tools, and obviously, you know, it's great for us from a commercial perspective. But I just like the fact that people do it anyway, regardless of knowing that, it may be difficult to get done. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I want to just hear from you what your career path through this was because you touched on it a bit earlier on, um, but I'm really keen to know where you started out and um, how you worked your way through the industry. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I started with um, a sort of very sort of burgeoning era of multimedia uh, back in the late 90s. Um, So I I did the Swinburne University Multimedia Technology course, which was like this guinea pig course at the time that um, really set me up to be uh, a generalist in the industry. 
Um, and I'm quite thankful for that. Like, it was a very much a hodgepodge of everything from uh, coding through to animation and design and human-computer interaction kind of stuff. And so it gave you pretty much like this baseline of skills that let you see the world from all the different technical aspects of multimedia. Um, now it's been specialised a lot more, so it's now it's focused much more on just animation or just design in little pockets. But um, yeah. I kind of miss that guinea pig course. Um, but the most important thing that that course had was a year of industry-based learning, um, which was paid, which was amazing for a university um, to do. So, and that got me my first game animation gig. So, for for the first few years of my life, I was doing game programming and game animation. But at the time, and I'm going to shout out the name here, the, um, my boss Nick Tabazas, um, who was an incredible mentor, he had just started getting into visual effects himself, um, and was starting to use the early version of Fusion right. back when um, it was still with Ion. And he really grew me into loving the visual effects and motion graphics side of things and strove to give me that passion. So I started animating in you know, 3DS Max and started compositing in After Effects and all these kind of things. Um, so, so Nick really set me on that path of, of, of finding a passion for that industry outside of the game industry. Yeah. Um, so by that time, sort of... Um, you get to that age where you want to sort of travel a bit. <laughs> so uh, me and my partner packed up and we just quit everything and, and moved to London, not having a job. But um, And so we were just uh, looking for various things around there. I was you know, applying at boutiques and motion studios around there because I had quite a sort of title background by that time. Um, nothing really came of it. And then, yeah, I um, got an email from... Uh, John Paul Smith at Imagineer one day saying that, you know, they'd seen my blog and my application and stuff and we want to come in for a chat. And that's sort of been the last eight years of my life now. It's um, been working with Mocha. And that, to me, has been probably the best part of my career so far is that it's the the thing that I love about working in this company is the ability to work with an amazing piece of software but still have your hand in all the visual effects and motion graphic stuff that I'm passionate about. So it's given me the best of both worlds and the flexibility to have the time to do that. So awesome. um, I moved from London to LA back to Australia and I was still able to take the job with me because it's such an organically easy job to move around the world. Um so, yeah, so that's sort of the path nice. that, I, that I followed, and I've been very, very happy there. It, um, it's, yeah, it's an incredible, just, yeah, all the people that, to work with are just fantastic, um, especially people like my colleagues, uh, Mary Poplin and Ross Shane and John Paul, like they're the, the sort of key people at Imagineer. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and Mary Poplin especially, like she's our product specialist. Um, I, I can't say enough about what a shot of caffeine she is for the industry she's just um and at some point if you can please do interview her because she's just like yeah she's a absolute firecracker and vital to good teaching in the industry awesome yeah um definitely definitely uh be looking to do that in the future and um yeah i'm just so glad that we have people who are so passionate and engaged with um, the work that has been produced, making the tools for it, you know, and having those conversations and being emerged in the work to yeah. provide the tools that the artists need. That's right. And it, it's for me, it's, a, it's sort of a bit of a geeking out thing too. Like you, you get to see uh, how the sausage is made, even though you're not working directly in the industry as a software partner, you, you, but you're you're still getting to see all that process from the roughs all the way through to the final and, and that's what i still love that yeah. um i don't have to be working the the insane hours at a studio but i i still get to be a part of it which is which is fantastic that's wicked and now it's time for the pro video packs okay mate this is the time of the podcast where we do our pro video picks opportunity mm -hmm. for the guests to share with everybody um what they like 
So first up, what would be your pro video pick? So the one that I, this is actually a hard question because um, you asked me about this before the podcast, and like there's so many tiny little tiny little tools I use, but for the most part, uh, when I thought about it, the biggest one that I use every day is this app called Alfred on the Mac. Um, now Alfred is a uh, basically a, a spotlight replacement tool. It's a bit like Quicksilver if anyone's yeah, used that. Yeah. But this is the sort of paid version of, of, of a Quicksilver. But the workflows inside that um, and the way it's been developed and the support, in, again, in that community has just been fantastic. So, so I use that almost more than my mouse these days. So I use it from everything from the classic just loading applications to you know, um, a morning routine of just literally typing start work and it loads up everything that I need for the day, uh, <laughs> nice. you know, the calendars and things like that. You know, you've got a sort of little mini Jarvis in your, in your computer Working. using these workflows. Uh, and then when you combine it with, you know, your own bash scripts and Python scripts and stuff, you can start to set up some cool stuff like, you know, if I have to go and check what all the developers uh, at uh, Imagineer have been doing that day. I can just like type a command, and then all the latest stuff comes down onto my computer. And so, yeah, you can just set up these little ecosystems with it that sort of actually it gives you a bit of a, a crutch because when you go to a, a Mac that doesn't have it, you go, oh, "I don't have my favorite things." But, um, <laughs> but yeah, that, that has clicks. been a lifesaver for me. <laughs> Everything takes ten more clicks. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly it. Yeah. Awesome, awesome pick, man. Um, my pick this week is OneNote. Now, a few years back, I never would have thought that I would be promoting Windows <laughs> <laughs> or Office or anything like that. So it's a crazy world we live in, but here we are. So OneNote is um, for notebooks, basically. I've been a big Evernote user for the last, I don't know, however long, decade, I suppose. And it's awesome. It really is. I do love Evernote. But the issue is working with my colleagues and teams across different departments in a corporate environment. Um, it's hard to set that up. But now with um, Cloud 365, OneNote allows us to m create notebooks of, int in of knowledge about projects or jobs or the way we do processes and share that with everybody throughout the whole organization and for them to feed back and modify it as well. So really enjoying that because... Um, the information that might get shared between one or two people, it's really hard to make sure that you cover it off with anybody else coming into that um, workflow too. So yeah, that's my pick for this week. And mate... Well, that's a good one, yeah, because oh. I've, um, I say I've been using Evernote myself for a while, but I haven't actually had a look at that one for a while so, since they changed it, so it might be, it'd be a good one to look at. Yeah, I, I suppose um, FCB, the agency I work for as part of IPG, um, you know, mm. as a large organisation, security's massive. We just have yeah. to. So um, it has to be approved and be really strong, and that's something that OneNote's giving us now. Is, um, Fantastic. Yeah, so... A bit of work to get the notes set up, but then it's there for everybody, um, which is great when you've got that intellectual knowledge about a job that might happen today, but then in a year, that person might not be there when it reoccurs. So <laughs> not that we have high turnover, we have really good um, <laughs> churn figures at work, which is good. But anyway, moving on, inspirational video, what would be the video that you'd share t for the, everybody? So the video, of the, uh, I've actually got a sneaky one at the start here because there's um, uh, one of my most favorite inspirational videos of all time. I cannot actually locate on the internet again. And if anyone wants to contact us <laughs> and let me know where it is um, because the studio that made it is no longer around. Right. But there was this amazing video uh, that was a promo for AD&D's awards uh, in the UK uh, called Obsessed, which was an art director uh, sitting over the shoulder of uh, a font designer and them going through exactly how they were going to do the typography for the titles. You don't see them, you just see the typography changing and it's one of the best pieces of design and comedy I've seen in a really, really long time. But it was back in 2007 and it just seems to have poofed off the internet. It's just nowhere to be found. You have to have a look so, at yeah. the Wayback Machine. No, it's not even there. Oh. I, found the, I found the site and I found the MP4 for the clip but it's not on the Wayback Machine unfortunately yes, it's uh, just non-existent unfortunately 
So, internet, if you find it, uh, find me on Facebook, <laughs> and uh, we will, because uh, I'm desperate to find it again, because it was just a beautiful piece. But the the clip that is available is um, one that was uh, one of my favourite films of all time, um, called Stranger Than Fiction. So, uh, the studio MK12, which I believe is not around anymore either, um, correct me if I'm wrong, MK12, but... They did uh, these amazing tracked motion graphics pieces all the way through Stranger in Fiction that just really complemented the story. And this is one of the things that really got me passionate about motion graphics again was the way that this clip sort of inserted information and diagrams and tracked numbers into the the character um, without it being um, in the way or overblown. It was just a beautifully subtle set of motion graphics um and and just perfectly tracked it was just um i I have a little bit as you can probably tell a little bit of thing about tracking um (laughs) and it's just like it's just that you don't see a single slide or slip it's just yeah beautifully locked on um so yeah it just it, it it gets me every time i see it even though it's quite an old old film now yeah uh they're amazing titles and yeah i'm sure It'll be interesting to know what they're using at the time because I'm sure the tools today would have made that job so much easier to do. Well, that's the thing, yes. And uh, yes, it would be nice to ask them. But again, I'm not sure if they're around anymore. Okay, my inspirational video is Toby and Pete's Other Life Film Titles. So um, it's an end credit sequence for Australian sci-fi thriller, Other Life. So um, shout out to Australian and Australasian content. Um, and it's directed by um, Ben C. Lucas, um, and I think it's on Netflix as well. So the film actually revolves around a breakthrough eyedrop administering substance that can implant false yet completely real feel, feeling memories of life experiences. So a bit of a trippy um, <laughs> film by the sounds of it, and I haven't watched it, um, so I'm got to see if it's available in New Zealand. I'd be surprised if it wasn't being Australian made. Um, Anyway, back to the title sequence. Yeah, incredible, incredible work. Um, Really abstract and um, complicated. And you just have to see these. um, But it's basically the concept for the title sequence is following the drop of um, the fluid through an eyeball in a micro-macro landscape. Um, yeah, I'd love to talk to whoever made it because it's really, really beautiful. I'm thinking there's like a bit of world machine going on in there, but yeah, the renderers interested to know what renderers they were using and what tools, but a class work. So check that out on the show notes of this episode and your favorite podcatcher. There'll be links. If you, if you're the, the app you're listening to this episode doesn't have the links available, you can find it on our website, Pro Video Podcast. All the links will be there. Okay, finally, who are you following online? So <clears throat> this is, again, a, a duo link. I've been a bit sneaky with your <laughs> your your categories, but um, these two actually really come together quite a bit. So a while back, I uh, the Mocha team, we worked with um, Late Night Films on a project called The Wizards of Oz. Um, I, if I, you haven't seen I, it, I please do see it. it. It was awesome. Yeah. It's a warning for out there. It's not quite safe for work. So uh, <laughs> it's a, a little bit uh, naughty in places. But yeah, no, it's, it's, it's very, very well done. But the thing that uh, grabbed me the most uh, was that uh, Michael Shanks, the, the main man behind it, who has a great website, uh, YouTube channel called Tim Tim Fed, um, both him and Chris Hocking from Late Night Films predominantly did all the visual effects by themselves and it was about two and a half thousand visual effects shots and they turned this around an amazing amount of time um they praise mocha to to death which is lovely but the it has to be said that like after we worked with them like i've been just following everything that they've been doing because they do it with both amazing professionalism but also this incredible humor cool um uh, I mean, it's Australian humour, <laughs> but it's it's like, yeah, it's very, like, sometimes very morbid, very dry, uh, but just, yeah, always hilarious. Nice. Um, and Tim Tim Fed is well worth going to have a look at on YouTube for all his previous clips. Excellent, excellent one. 
I'm uh, going to do a shout out to Motion Hatch. It's a new podcast that's come out recently. Um, Haley has a Facebook group, so I'll link to that. Um, I've been posting in that as well. And that's, that's what's so cool is just seeing these uh, communities coming together. This particular community is um, for motion designers and animators to connect and talk about the business side of the industry. And the podcast reflects that as well. So I, I just feel like there's so many of these groups that you want to just get into and contribute, participate. And I, th- I just think that it's all good. So jump into that one as well as uh, my Facebook group for the Pro Video Podcast. Always do a little bit of upsell too. Um, of course. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Martin, subtle as. <laughs> where, where can um, everybody follow you online, Martin? So predominantly, like, I mean, I do have a Twitter, but it's not worth following if you're doing in the motion industry. It's, it's, it's predominantly me retweeting interesting and humorous things, so I won't bother telling you that one. But professionally, you can just find me on Boris FX, uh, the Boris FX site, so borisfx.com. Cool. Or the Facebook page at Mocha Boris Effects, um, but I do encourage you to enjoy, if you are in inside Mocha, even in the After Effects version, do come and have a look at the Mocha Pro and Mocha VR uh, yeah. forums as well, where you'll get a lot of help there. Yeah, if you haven't checked out Mocha Pro, um, you know you really do need to have a look at it because I think that it streamlines processes so much more. Really worthwhile. Um, I want to outline, um, you said earlier about the n- Node Slack group, definitely jump in there. Um, I'm hanging out in there, same, so is Martin, so you can talk to us there. I am also invite you all to join the Pro Video Podcast Slack group, that link will be there. And yeah, all the other socials, you can look for Pro Video Podcast on Facebook and Twitter, and I'm Blair Walker on Twitter. I, I do post a lot, so I apologise, <laughs> but... <laughs> it's stuff I feel that might be worthwhile so yeah check us out there Martin thank you so much man for coming on the show really appreciate it no worries absolute pleasure look forward to having a lot more chats and having you on the show in the future next time that there's a big um, announcement um, absolutely give me a heads up beforehand and um, we'll, we'll chat with everybody again then that'd be great awesome thank you for listening really appreciate that you've listened this week and if you've enjoyed it or enjoyed any of the shows please 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 share them on your social media networks i'd love for you to like get this podcast out to other listeners and bring the communities together so yeah thank you again for listening and catch you next week all right bye join the conversation on facebook instagram or twitter at pro video podcast please subscribe rate and leave a review on itunes